0: Good morning and welcome to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast. Today is Friday, February the 5th, 2021, day five of the second month of the new year. Looking forward to today's show. We're going to have sports wrap. We're going to have Friday focus as well as talking the Duke Carolina game, which I'm really excited about because that's at six o'clock tomorrow night. Going to talk to Greeley Myers about that. First, let's start with sports. In NBA action last night, the Utah Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks 112 to 91. The Warriors hang 147 on the Mavericks, beat them 147 to 116. The Trailblazers beat the 76ers 121 to 105. The Rockets beat the Grizzlies 115 to 103, and the Lakers beat the Nuggets 114 to 93 behind LeBron James's triple-double. In tonight's games, the Pelicans travel to Indiana to take on the Pacers. The Chicago Bulls are in Orlando to take on the Magic. The Toronto Raptors are in the Big Apple taking on the Brooklyn Nets. The Milwaukee Bucks travel to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. The Utah Jazz are in the state of North Carolina taking on the Charlotte Hornets. The Wizards are in South Beach taking on Miami Heat. The Minnesota Timberwolves are taking... On the Oklahoma Thunder the Detroit Pistons are in Phoenix taking on the Suns and the Boston Celtics continued on the West Coast taking the LA Clippers next in college basketball the Gonzaga Bulldogs had their first scare of the season last night as they were losing 32 to 31 at halftime against Pacific but outscored them 45 to 26 in the second half to win 76 to 58 and remain undefeated at 18 and 0. Ohio State goes into Iowa and beats them 89 to 85 in a top 10 matchup and Radford beats South Carolina Upstate 63 to 61 and they play again this evening as part of their back to backs. Let's look forward to Saturday's games in college basketball. Iowa State travels to number 9 Oklahoma, number 10 Alabama travels to number 18 Missouri. Number 16, Virginia Tech is in South Beach taking on Miami. Number 23, the Kansas Jayhawks play at the Coliseum at West Virginia. They are number 17. Number 22, Florida travels to LSU. Number 25, Drake goes to Valparaiso. Number 19, Wisconsin. And number 12, Illinois face off in Champlain. Number 5, Houston takes on Our Lady of the Lake. After their loss the other night, I'm sure that's not going to be pretty for the Lady of the Lake. Number 6, Texas plays at Oklahoma State. Number 13, Texas Tech is at Kansas State. Pittsburgh is at number 14, Virginia. Northwestern travels to number 24, Purdue. Number 15, Creighton travels to Milwaukee to take on Marquette. And number 11, Tennessee travels to Lexington to take on Kentucky. This is what Saturday sports looks like in the world of college basketball. Friday Focus when we come back. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in...
1: Three, two, one.
0: Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream podcast. We're going to talk about the Friday Focus segment of our show. We're going to give you three rules that will immediately change your life. And something to think about as we go through this. Number one, live your life like you're the hero in your own movie. You can't dabble in what you're going to do. You got to write your goals down and you got to attack them. You got to go after them. If you don't, you're going to live in a wishy washy world. I want to run a marathon. I want to take a test to get a certain position. I want to become a better dad or husband or boyfriend. All that stuff, you got to write it down. Because it's right in front of you as a focus and you got to live your life like you're the hero in your movie. I mean, let's think about, you know, most movies start out and everything's kind of like negative or bad or not in a good place. And the hero has to fight through everything, the mud, fight through the process, fight through the tough times to become a hero at the end. And that's what you need to do. You know i have two daughters if i'm having this done as like an autobiography or you know they're following me around and filming my everyday life i want them to see what dad is like and how he had to fight through stuff to get to where he's at now the camera crew's constantly following you and you constantly have to live like you're going to be better tomorrow than you are today that's rule number one rule number two don't seek comfort hard work is fulfilling You need to leave your comfort zone and do hard work. Stop announcing all the bad things in your life. Stop whining, complaining to everyone about how bad your life is. Stop seeking comfort and fix your problems. Hard work is hard, but it's also fulfilling and fulfillment creates happiness. We need fulfilling work. As humans, we need stimulating tasks. Wherever we achieve and finish things that looked hard in the beginning, we feel better about at the end. That's how we were programmed to be. We have been told, seek comfort because it's easy. By learning and achieving difficult tasks, you feel better and you grow. We all have thoughts of giving up when we're working out. We have thoughts of cheating ourselves in a project. But at the end of the day, you're only cheating you. You know that you'll feel better when you put in the work. When you're not doing anything, you feel like shit. We've all had those days where you just sit on the couch, you eat junk food, you do absolutely nothing. At the end of the day, you feel like absolute shit. It's just how we are. We want to do things. We want to achieve results. We want to make ourselves and others proud of us. So don't seek comfort. Seek the work and get the results you're looking for. And rule number three, 90% of success is just showing up. So show up. Show up and do the work day after day. Discipline helps you get things done. And getting things done creates success. We all had bad days. I mean, everybody has a bad day. And they don't want to put in the work. But these are the moments that will bring you your most success. The most important thing to do is sit down and do the work. If you're a writer and today the only writing's coming out is crap, just try again tomorrow. Who knows? Tomorrow might be the amazing piece, the gem that you're looking for, the one that you're finding. No one ever became good at anything without putting in the work, not even Michael Jordan. For me, this means going to my full-time job at Tech High punching the clock there, doing everything they asked me to do. Then I punch the clock at basketball, take care of the program and the guys and my staff there, doing that every single day, academics, what the home life's like, getting them better at the game of basketball, college recruitment, all of that. Then i got to be a good friend to people, a good coworker to people, but also have to be a great dad to me and Kate. I've got to be a good boyfriend so that that relationship continues to grow and becomes better every single day. This is all part of having a positive all around day and focus because I show up to all of those areas of my life to be more successful. I add up all these things in this little movie that I call my life. And these are the things that make me feel proud and happy at all times. So don't give up when things are down. Don't think that starting over is a bad thing. And when the going gets tough, get tougher. Because it's going to get tough, but just fight through it. That means that the strong work will make you meet your challenges. If you follow these three basic principles, become the hero in your movie, write down what you want and go after it. Don't seek comfort. Seek difficult tasks and lessons because you're going to better yourself. And show up. Put in the work. 90% of success is just created by walking through that front door. You will have a much better week, better day, better month, better year, better life. When we come back, we will discuss Duke Carolina basketball with Greeley Myers right after this. Never in My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in.
2: Three, two, one. Carolina. This is where a fan's heart beats in time with the bounce of a basketball. Where shooting stars don't appear outside, they're here in a swirl of royal and powder blue. This, the 199th Battle of the Blues, two giants in the world of college basketball, sharing six national titles, 13 national players of the year, 23 ACC titles, and a legacy for miraculous and magical moments. So many great ones before, and another forceful, explosive, dynamic, and up against his greatest challenge have been 56 All-Americans. The latest, so quick, so active, so dominating. The potential National Player of the Year battling depth and youth. Coach K, who symbolizes defensive intensity, the heart of proud Duke, where passion reflects 16 hearts that beat as one. And rock steady Carolina with a new coach and a new killer instinct. But the beat goes on and on and on. It's college sports' grandest rivalry.
0: Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast. Looking forward to my next guest, Greeley Myers, who is a... Friend of mine, he's also a huge Duke fan, so based off of what you just heard, the intro to the 1998 Duke Carolina game, we're going to go right into Duke Carolina today, too, because they play tomorrow night at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Greeley, welcome back to the show. Hey,
1: thanks, Chad. It's a pleasure to be back with you.
0: So, you are a dupe guy, I'm a Carolina guy, we can have a little bit of fun with this. As you heard in the intro, it was the 199th Battle of the Blues, the one that I played, that's my favorite intro to the game. This is going to be game 253 between these two teams. Now you said something before we went on air, and I want you to say it because you heard it and I didn't get it secondhand. What is the basis on this game that's different than a lot of other Carolina games?
1: Well, it, you know, it's interesting, Chad. Um, you know, when you you texted me earlier in the week and asked me to, to come on and talk about this, I'm happy to talk about this. And I think I messaged you back and said, well, you know, the, the glitter is off this one a little bit, or the luster is off this one a little bit, yep. uh, just because of the season both these teams are having, and and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the environment maybe later about maybe what might be missing tomorrow night, but. You know, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, we were driving down, we were driving yesterday and my son and I were talking, my 17-year-old, he looked something up. This is the first time since 1960 that either one of these teams has not been ranked in the top 20 or top 25. That's wow. 61 years. That is crazy to me. Yes, it is. Um, you know, I, and that's just absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, it's really, they find themselves in a unique situation, obviously, um, but that just speaks to the depth of this rivalry, and we can talk about that in a little bit. and We can talk about the excellence of both of these programs. Now, I'll, be in, I'll honestly, you know, the '60s, '70s, and '80s, the team that was probably ranked was Carolina. Honestly, consistently, mm-hmm. it, it really was probably the only in the '80s that, that Duke really got in the got in a role and, and stayed ranked as, as well. Now, there's been some recently where I know Duke has been ranked and Carolina hasn't been, uh, but it, but. And they always say this game always delivers and it always does no matter what um, in terms of there could be a team who's having a down year and there's another team that's favored and it goes right to the wire or the other team wins. So, you you know, I hate that old phrase, you throw the records out, but honestly, you really do with this one. It just always seems to deliver. But the, the, the fact that this is the first time in 61 years neither one of these teams has been ranked is a, a remarkable stat to me.
0: It it really is. I mean, I'm looking up some stuff here, and we, you know, as we were talking before we got on, the longest winning streak in this rivalry, as you were bringing up in different years, so from 1921 to 1928, Carolina won 16 in a row, the current win streak is Duke at three, Dukes won three in a row, and um, the largest victory was in 1921. Carolina won by 37 points. Which, if you figure 1921, what basketball looked like, 37 points was like a football score. That's a lot of points back then. That's a lot. Of, yeah, it is. And in
1: wow. 1964,
0: Duke won by 35 points. That's their largest margin of victory.
1: Carolina. There's was, one, yeah, there's one that sticks out of my mind. In 2010, when we won the national championship, we won 82 to 50. And I, the fact I can remember that score still. Uh, stick. You know, sticks out in my mind. But but normally these games are right down the like I say, right down to the wire.
0: They they really and they really are. You
1: know, they, they really are. they, they, they just are. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun – it's definitely a fun robbery that's for sure.
0: It is. Carolina leads the series 139 to 114. I've been a Duke fan – or a Carolina fan since high school. I wasn't allowed to be a Duke fan. My grandfather was a huge Maryland guy, so Duke was like pure hatred. I still don't understand how I could wear, like, Carolina gear around him. I still – that, that still boggles my mind because <laughs> if it wasn't red and black, I, I didn't think he'd like it. But I'll never forget – we went up to Lancaster, PA, where they had a Nike outlet, and I bought a pair of Duke shorts because I liked what Grant Hill represented. That that Now I'm, I'm starting to age myself a little bit. I want to say that was 93 when they lost to Aero, to uh, Arkansas, right? Is that 93? Um, yeah, it was the
1: 93-94 season, 90- so it was a championship game in 94, yeah.
0: Yep, yep. So I bought some Duke shorts, and I remember walking into his house, and he's like, what do you have on? Almost to the point, like, you better take those things off. So at that point, I kind of slid to the, the lighter blues than the royal blue Um,
1: it's so funny you bring up the colors and and we i mean i I don't want to bore your your listeners but but the colors are interesting because as a duke guy nothing in our house i mean we don't wear carolina blue in our house it it just you just don't i mean my 10 year old little girl got something back in the fall and apologized because it was carolina blue we don't we don't wear carolina blue in our house now ironically my son's high school their colors are a navy blue and a light blue, and so there's a lot of that light blue in his color scheme, and and so now I wear some of that, but I call it Millbrook blue. I was just um, going to say, you
0: got Millbrook yeah, they, blue. Right.
1: They, they refer to it as Carolina <laughs> blue, and I said, I was in a meeting once with some Millbrook people. I said, let's call it Millbrook blue. Let's not call it Carolina blue. That's the only way I can <laughs> I can fathom wearing it, but, but the, it goes as deep as the colors. I mean, that's the... That's what's crazy. Um, and, and, you know, so I understand your your story about wearing, walking in and, and do blue shorts. That probably didn't go over very
0: well. No, it, it really didn't. And it's funny you say that because, you know, we're sports junkies. Like, that's the easiest way to describe it. So I call myself a basketball junkie, too. Like, I'm obsessed with the game. I think about it constantly in different aspects. But as sports junkies, we totally become... Enveloped in who we root for, and and that that's that's very true. I mean, okay, so I'm at South Hagerstown High School as the head basketball coach. Like, our colors are green, white, and black. Our rival school colors are red, white, and black. We don't wear red. Like, I do not wear red ever. Like, I had all my Shenandoah red the day I got the job. It went into a box. It got shoved away, and I haven't brought red out. I don't wear red. I have more green than I can shake a stick at now. And it's funny because even my red shoes, I gave them to the Goodwill. I just wasn't going to wear them anymore. So I do understand the difference between the light blue and the royal blue. But I don't think people, maybe the ones that are listening here on the show, would understand this is the most intense rivalry in all of college athletics. Would you agree with that?
1: I would. I think that you could argue Michigan, Ohio State. And I was thinking about that this morning as I was thinking about this conversation. I think people, you could argue that just because that crosses state lines. And so I think that's bred. You know, if you're in Michigan, you probably hate anything in Ohio. and Ohio, you hate anything in Michigan. So I think you could argue that. But, but I always say that Duke Carolina is the most intense and fiercest rivalry in all of college athletics. And I say in all of sports, and I know I'm biased, but I throw out Red Sox, Yankees, you know, Dodgers, Giants, whatever you – whatever – analogy you want to make from a from a sports a professional sports perspective now we could argue packer bears True. Uh, but, but you know I, I put it out there it just it, it is and if you haven't experienced it and if you haven't lived it it's it's difficult to to explain um, but I, yeah I think it's it's definitely definitely in college athletics it's the top one for sure
0: so here's something real cool before we get into really dumping into what it looks like from inside, which is why I really want to talk to you about what it's like living this on campus, around campus, as the rivalry day comes and it builds. Do you know that in 1920, their first meeting ever, Carolina won 36 to 25, and Duke University at the time was called Trinity College? Did you know that? I did know, I did
1: know that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not I did, know that. I did know that. That because is I, I, knew, interesting. I knew the origins of Duke, and Duke was, was not known as Duke. It was not named after the Duke family yet. It was known as Trinity College.
0: How about that? I did not know that. See, I'm learning something yeah. as we go through this, too. Um, so you're on campus as a student at Duke. What's the week look like leading up to a Duke-Carolina game, such as like the one that's going to be tomorrow night at Cameron Indoor?
1: Well, not the whole week. I mean, honestly, Chad, the whole season builds towards it. Mean, it sounds crazy, but it does. Now, the undergrads, they start camping out. Um, for for the for games, you know, and, and I won't get into all the campout rules, but I mean, you don't have to be there all the time. There's got to be someone in the tent, but they start camping out weeks before, you know, the Duke Carolina game. That's what the major campout is for. So really the whole season builds towards that. I mean, when the schedule comes out, you look at, okay, and it used to be, now we're playing on each game on a Saturday, mm-hmm. but it used to be one game was midweek game. The first game was a midweek game, either a Wednesday or a Thursday. And then the last game, was a Saturday game. Now I think they last year they moved it to where both games are on Saturday. Um, but you build up towards that. You you circle your calendar. So it's not the whole week. It's really the whole. It's the whole. Uh, it's the whole season. And that sounds crazy, especially that these teams are usually playing for a whole heck of a lot more. They're playing for number one seeds. They're playing for ACC titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but you circle this date, and the whole season kind of builds around that. So the build up when you get to the week of, it's you're ready. I mean, you're, you're ready to go. And and be, I was a graduate student, so my experience is a little different. But everything on campus built towards that. Of course, the student newspapers between Duke and Carolina go at each other. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to make a bet. So if Duke lost, the next day the student newspaper was their masks. Their headline was in Carolina blue. If Carolina loses on the Carolina student newspaper, their masks was in Duke blue. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if they still do that or not, but they used to when I was there. Um, so, yeah, the whole – you know the whole week, you know, kind of build towards the bills towards that, and um, you know, I, I believe they still do it. They did it a couple up to a couple years ago. Now this year might be different because of COVID. If Duke beats Carolina, it doesn't matter. Uh, they they burn benches on campus, and if you've ever been on that campus, it's a it's a beautiful kind of Ivy League school campus. They have a traditional what you call quad, and they've got these huge benches that sit outside all the dorms. And if Duke wins, those benches go into one big pile, and they burn those. They burn them. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's just what they do. So you're getting ready for all of that. I mean, the campus was kind of preparing for that if we, you know, if we win. So yeah, it's a huge, it's an absolutely huge buildup. And the butterflies, the butterflies start. And I'm I'm nearly fifty years old, and that still that still happens. You know, the week prior, you just you start gearing up. You got start gearing up, and the butterflies start building. And all that kind of stuff. So um, it's a definitely a weak buildup, but everything kind of gears towards gears towards that the whole season.
0: Now, how many games have you attended Duke Carolina games in person?
1: I will, I, I'll be honest. I've only attended two. Two. I old. was there. For, I was there for two years. Yeah, I was there for two years when I was on campus, and I, and I attended two. So I can't be one of those guys that says, "Oh, I've been to six or eight or whatever." But uh, I've been to two, and the two were. I, I mean. You know, as a sports fan, you can say, "Hey, I've gone to, I've gone to Duke, Carolina, in Cameron, and I know it sounds crazy, but that's, in my opinion, that's better than going to a Super Bowl." Uh, you know, I'm sure you've been to Final Fours. I'm sure that's incredible, and I'd love to go to a Final Four someday. But to see Duke and Carolina play in Cameron uh, is a is a lifetime experience I'll never forget. Unfortunately, I'm zero two, <laughs> but uh, um, in '94. We had a really good team. That was Grant Hills last year. We talked about that last time. Carolina had a really good team. They had Montross and Donald Williams and Rasheed Wallace and Stackhouse were freshmen. Um, And we played them in a great game at their place the first game of the season. I think that was one of those where where we were like two and they were one, or we were one and they were two as one of those deals. And then we played the last game in Cameron. It was a really good game, and Carolina just got the better of us that night. That's just all there is to it. (laughs) And then uh, the next year was, and we talked about this last time. That was the year that Shostovsky was out. Yes, and Duke was zero seven. And they, now it used to be Chad that they played these in a, when they played the round robin. Duke would play Carolina. Carolina Duke would play the last kind of last game of that first go around of the round robin. So the eighth ACC game, and then they play the last regular season
0: ACC. It was always I mean. Senior Day, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. On one of their campuses. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, in '95, we played them at home. Yes. Um, in the in the it would be the eighth ACC game, and we were Duke was zero and seven going in. Schleske was out. Yep. And Rasheed Wallace, who was that, at that point was a sophomore, walked on the court before the game as they came on to warm up, and he held eight fingers up in the air as if to say you're about to be zero eight. And uh I remember that specifically, and they jumped out on us big time. We came back, we got up on them, they came back, and this is the one, this is the game. Is this of the this, highlight is, you always see on is the Is this the half court game, shot? Jeff yeah. yeah, Jeff Capel hit that runner Little Port past half court yep. to send the game in overtime.
0: So how and, okay, how loud was ahead. that? How how loud did that gym get?
1: Um, I can't describe it. i really can't it was absolute pandemonium people i'm in the end zone people are falling on each other i mean it's almost like it almost became a dangerous situation because first of all you're crammed in there as, as tight as you can be anyway and people are just going absolutely nuts and you're kind of falling all over each other um not like a trampled situation but close to it i mean you know i mean it's it was absolute pandemonium. You don't, you can't hear yourself think that's how loud it was. You, you don't think about, wow, this is really loud because it was just absolutely, yeah, it was absolutely crazy. And of course, you know, so you always see that shot and people do always say, Hey, you got to remember Duke lost that game. Cause we did, we lost in double overtime, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so those were my two, those were my two experiences. Um, but living there, you know, you just really, you really experience it, and it's it's incredible. And the first game, my first year, I was there. We played them at their place, and we uh, we all decided we wanted to go out and watch it somewhere. And I don't know if you remember Damon's, but it was a sports bar back in the day.
0: Yep, I remember Damon's. Yeah,
1: and they had these huge screens. That was that was back in the time where the big screens were the big deal. They had four huge screens. So we went to Damon's, and what they did is they divided the restaurant in half. So they separated the Duke and Carolina people. So if you were a Duke, you're on this side; you're Carolinian on the other side. And it was a blast because you just kind of went back and forth with each other the whole game. So uh, those were kind of my my you know touch point experiences of, of uh, the Duke Carolina rivalry, you know, in in person and on hand.
0: You know, for our listeners, they don't people don't understand how close they are. It's eight miles that separates these guys.
1: Yeah. And the joke always is that the Carolina, the Duke guys probably spend more time on the Carolina campus, <laughs> and that's <laughs> probably true. Uh, the Carolina campus has a more of a, um, how should we say this, uh, traditional college kind of party feel to it. Okay, they've got they've got Franklin Street that runs right through the heart of the Carolina campus where there's all kinds of establishments and so forth. Um, I have, I spent a lot of time on Franklin Street too, even as a graduate student. Uh, so. But, yeah, they're, they're eight miles apart. It takes 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes to get from one campus to the other. So that, that kind of, again, kind of uh, factors in to how intense how intense this gets. And they're uh, great, especially with the fan bases as
0: well. well. You know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they do not change at the opposing facilities pregame. Did you know that? I did
1: think I, 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 think I knew that um, – you know, I think somewhere in my history, I, I think I realized that they just get on the bus and go.
0: They do, like they so do. Yeah. For example, Carolina on this coming game, they will change in their home facility into their game gear. They'll hop on the charter, which <clears throat> for people that are listening, the charter buses are actually underneath the arena. So when they walk out of the locker room and get on the charter bus, they're not going to go outside. And then they get on the charter, they're going to have a police escort, which will take them less than 10 minutes to get onto Duke's campus from Carolina. Once they get there, they'll pull back into a facility underneath of Cameron Indoor that's under an overhang, and then they will be able to get out off the bus there, not exposed to the elements, and be able to walk right into the locker room there. But they will be dressed as if they were going to start the game from their home facility. Both teams do that. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it is. Now, what you mentioned about the, the underneath the facility at Cameron, that's relatively new, to be quite honest.
0: It is. Yeah, that, it's like the ability, last couple of years. Yeah, because
1: when I was there, that wasn't the case. They had not built out the, – they, they built out the facilities. There's now in a, kind of a – what I call an annex, but a, a Duke basketball office kind of building attached to Cameron now where they've got that ability to go underneath. But they didn't use to back in the day, so the police escort was huge because you have to get that police escort, that bus, right up to next to Cameron and get them inside camera as quickly and as easily as possible, Um,
0: because the fans were lined up outside. Waiting. Um, So, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting phenomenon, that's for sure. So let me ask you this. Did you watch them pull up with the police escort? Do you remember vividly seeing that with your eyes, or is that just something you've kind of, as the rivalry's grown and you've read about it, as a fan, you've picked up on?
1: Yeah, I picked up on it. Where where they dropped them off when I went to the two games I went to was not within my line of vision. So okay. I was, I was lined up on the, I think on the opposite side of where they came in. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I, I, um, I think they kind of dropped them off on the side and I was, you know, I was in one behind one end zone. So I came in a different entrance um, than where I would have seen him. So I never, honestly, I never saw them.
0: You know, no. I'm not, I'm not comparing Duke and Carolina to Shenandoah and Christopher Newport, but when I played it at Shenandoah, we would always play C and U in the middle of the week at home, and for Shingleton, that was pandemonium. Would probably be the best term. I mean, it seats 680 people on the fire chart, but there was more than 680 in that facility. They were probably closer to a thousand. The couple nights that I was fortunate to play them over the four years, there on a Wednesday night. But we used to call them C and Who, and there were signs around campus C and Who. And you know out the front of Shingleton where the buses would drop off and they kind of had that little – like the sidewalk kind of ramps down into the door? Right. The no- One year, they're number two in the country, and students lined up to yell at them as they got off the bus to walk in, and we beat them when they were number two in the country unbelievable experience. Like, we're walking in, and the fans are like, you know, we're going down pregame because it used to be girls game and then our game. So you're kind of getting there a little bit around the middle of the first half of the women's game. So you're walking in, and the students are like, man, we were cussing them out. We were getting into them, and it it was just craziness. And we used to have a group called Rob's Rowdies for Rob Harris. And the Rob's Rowdies were there, like, waiting for them to get off the bus to walk into the facility. Yeah,
1: no, I I I, I miss that. SU. That'd be great to have that back again. But it's, it's very similar for sure. Um, you know, with that with that type of environment, and again, it just doesn't exist. You know, between uh, during the Duke Carolina game. I mean. You can go to any Duke game, and you, sometimes you'll hear it on television. And there's a this is a podcast, so I know I can say this, but there's a the, 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 there's a basic chant that says just go to hell, Carolina. It's a chant that and that they it's, that Duke students do all the time. Mm-hmm. And we could be playing whoever. We could be playing Temple or Virginia Tech or whoever. And and. Go to hell, Carolina is just going to start breaking out. I mean, so it's not, it's not, uh, it's not just when they play. And I'm laughing because you know they have a game. I'll start it tomorrow, Chad, in my head. And your people that are listening to this are going to think this guy is crazy. But I'll start that chat in my head tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon. I'll start to go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. That will that will start going in my head tomorrow as we ramp up the game time. And and uh, I know it sounds nuts, uh, but that's just like that's how deep it runs. And uh, so anyway, I will just thought I'd throw that in there. No,
0: I, I, no, I appreciate you saying that because for like I've experienced it, but only through a television set. Like I've never lived it. You know, in person, I've as I I shared before. You know, I would go down to a Tarboro baseball tournament. We'd spend one day in Durham, one day in Chapel Hill. We kind of see both locations, and you know, the campuses both are really gorgeous to their own extent about different things. And you're right; it almost has an Ivy uh, League feel with the crest and everything at Duke. But tomorrow night at six o'clock, all that stuff goes out the window, and it's just two teams battling, and nothing matters more for the next forty minutes. And I'm sure both. Chapel Hill and Durham freeze like they're they're probably just everything freezes and that's all that those guys focus on for the next two hours on television is that about right
1: oh yeah definitely and um, you know and again just experiencing it from a Duke fan I'm kind of glad the game's at six Mm -hmm. Um, when the game's at eight or nine it it takes and you're probably the same way with Packers and I kind of am too it takes you a while to, to wind down
0: absolutely so
1: when the game is over, if we've won, then I am, you know, I'm really hyped up and it takes me a while to just kind of wind down a little bit. Same thing if we lost. I mean, this is the only game, now, if it's an NCAA tournament game that runs deep and, and Duke loses or something, but this is the only game that will keep me keep me up at night. You know, I mean, that, that's the only game, that, the Duke Carolina game, that, that really makes you, it takes a long time to kind of wind down from it. So I'm glad the game's at six because I'm getting older now, so I can hopefully wind down by eleven or twelve and, and get some shut eye. But no, you're right. Everything kind of shuts down, and and uh, if you're a Duke or Carolina fan, no matter where you live, you know you you're amped up for it, and a lot of there's a lot of buildup that goes into it. And um, you know, my wife kind of knows that. My wife kind of knows the dates and knows when they're playing, and um, you know, we've we've learned in my older age to kind of. I'm just more of a I, it's easier for me to watch it by myself or just with my family. I don't get together usually with people. Yep. Um just because that, that sounds nuts. But I just I used to back when I was younger, but I don't anymore. It's just easier to watch it by myself. Um I'm sure the people like I said, I'm sure the people listen though, like, God, this guy's got problems. But, you know, <laughs> that's just the that's just the way it is. that's how deep it runs.
0: Well, you know, it it's funny you say that because I think when, when you become a sports fan, like you mentioned Bears-Packers earlier, the Bears and the Packers, that's just as bad. I mean, you know, when I know it's Bears-Packers week, like I just want to beat the hell out of them just to prove another point in the NFC or NFC North, you know, that we're right where we need to be and, and that we're the best team. And, and the Carolina side and the Duke side, as we talked about before a little bit, and I want to touch on this real quick, these guys probably hang out. In the offseason. Like, they probably play pickup games. They probably are doing all kinds of stuff. So, to them, this rivalry is just another basketball game. But to the fans, it's bragging rights. Is that about right? Or do the players kind of get into it? I was
1: thinking about this, and we talked about this last time. And I think you're right that it's different for the players and the fans. And I think now, especially, like we talked about with AAU and all that stuff, these guys have probably played together and they know each other on a better level. But... I would argue a little bit that that once you put the Duke uniform on or the Carolina uniform on and you step between the lines, it, it gets pretty intense.
0: I'm, and sure.
1: I'm not going to say there's a hatred, but it gets pretty intense. And, and you'll see highlights of people bleeding. and you know Gerald Henderson back, I don't know what year it was, 2006, seven eight somewhere around there. Dang near took Tyler Hansborough's head off. You know, yes. um, you'll see that highlight a lot. I mean he went out with them, not with a close fist, but pretty dang close. When Henry went up for a duck and broke his nose, you know, there's a there's a clip of Montross who took a shot. Yep, Bleed bleeding his eye. his eye. You mm-hmm. know, I mean so it, it's not hatred probably between the players. I think it's a fierce competition, but when they put the they probably do hang out, but when they put that uniform on, it's uh it's it it's a, it's go time. And I think that's what's going to be interesting tomorrow night because without the fans, I think whoever wins that game tomorrow night is going to be the team that brings the most energy who creates their own energy. Yes. Um, cause I'll really be curious to see how each team kind of gets up for it. And uh, cause it's not going to be a normal Duke Carolina deal with no fans, you know? So that'll be curious to see, but I, but I would argue, I think you're right. I definitely agree with you on, to some extent but when that uniform goes on, um, it, that's going to run pretty deep.
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, there's 9,314 people that usually sit in Cameron Indoor for a game. What's it going to be like tomorrow night with not having any of that stuff? How do you feel as though the Duke players, it's unfortunate for some of them because it's an experience that you probably will never forget for your entire life, but how, how is that going to impact the game in your opinion?
1: I think mean, it's going to impact it tremendously. I, I think there's not going to be that that um that momentum or that energy from the fans given to them. And that's what I just said. They're gonna have to create they're gonna have to create their own energy. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to create that on their own. That's why I'm a little concerned. This Duke team this year, and we can talk about you know all kinds of reasons why they haven't gelled and I think COVID's got a lot to do with it. I'm not making excuses, but I just don't think they've had the opportunity to really come together as a team. Right. And with their, with their youth and, and so forth. And I'm, that's not an excuse. I just think that's reality. And what concerns me about this team is I don't know how they're going to respond. They played two really decent games against Georgia Tech and Clemson and won some games that they needed to win and looked like Duke for just a little bit. They kind of looked like Duke again. And then you thought they were turning the corner, and they laid a complete egg Monday night against, uh, Miami. against Miami. Mm-hmm. And you can see the frustration in Krzyzewski's face because it was just like he he said he saw it in practice on Sunday, that it wasn't there. He tried to correct it, and he couldn't get it corrected in time. It's like there's a disconnect. So that has me a little concerned about tomorrow night. And if you can't get up for Duke Carolina, then then don't put on the jersey. hundred percent.
0: So, yeah, I you know
1: I, I mean, I'm curious how they come out tomorrow night. Um, and same for Carolina, to be honest. I mean, they, they were, looked like they were trending upward, and then they stumbled against Clemson. So – I, I'm, I think that tomorrow night, with a different atmosphere and feel to it, completely you know what's normal. Um, but I think it's going to be the team who brings the most energy to, to the game.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I'm sure Krzyzewski and Roy will both say, if you, if you can't get up for this game, don't even get on the bus. <clears throat> don't even walk in the locker room. And, and I agree with you on that. Here's a pretty cool stat that I did not know dating back to 1979. In the last 100 meetings, regular season meetings, it's a 50-50 split, and the team's put up 7,746 points each. That's how tight this thing is in the last 100 meetings since back to 1979. It's a split. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: that's, yeah it is. To,
0: to the average sports fan, we're reading numbers off, and they're probably like, God, these guys have nothing else to do, do they? But you are looking. You look at it, and it's like, wow, that's pretty intense that it's that close.
1: And again, it goes to like, you know, Jay Billis always says that this game always delivers. And last year, Duke was a better team. Carolina was really, really struggling. Uh, they were having a tough year. Duke was having a decent year in the top three or four in the ACC. When they played the first time, I think Duke was either one or two in the ACC. And Duke went into Carolina, and it should have been a pretty solid Duke win. And Carolina pretty much outplayed them the entire game, pretty much had the game won. And Duke turned up a couple miracles at the, at the end of regulation and overtime. Missed free throw rebound and made the shot to tie. It. Missed free throw rebound and overtime. And Trey Jones put up an air ball. The window gathered in the air and put it in the buzzer. So, you know, you look at it and go, this should have been, you know, a pretty solid Duke win. And, and it was a, a dogfight. And Duke got out of there barely. And then in the, la- in the second game last year, the same thing. Duke should have probably won. I think they ended up winning by double figures. But it wasn't until three or four minutes to go in the game where they hit a couple threes and, and stretched it out. So, um, yeah, tomorrow night, I think Carolina, honestly, is a better team this year from what I've seen. But you just don't know what's going to happen. You really you, know, you really don't know when these two play.
0: So, so here's a pretty cool story. <clears throat> and I'm not going to mention any names and I'm not going to incriminate anybody. But I do know that the story is true because I actually have spoken to the guy that was part of it. But he was a guy that I went to high school with. And he ended up going to Duke. And remember when Michael Jordan's jersey got stolen? I do remember that. He was part part of that. He kid from Goretti Goretti and from Hagerstown was part of that situation. And we heard about it, and, you know, it was one of those, like, don't really talk about it type situations. But I I throw that out there because I I just think that's an unbelievable situation. They broke into the Dean Dome. Yeah, the Dean Dome. Climbed up the rafters, which, if you've ever been to the Dean Dome, that's way the hell above the floor, and stole Michael Jordan's jersey, ironically, before the game of the clip that I played before you and I got on here.
1: Yeah, I do remember that. I, and that, that I, I read that whole account, and that's, yeah, that's an absolute fascinating. <laughs> that's a fascinating account for sure,
0: but it yeah, just shows I mean, you the hatred. Again, it
1: just goes and goes how deep it goes.
0: Yeah, it just shows you the hatred. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to, you know, I'm looking at ESPN right here. I got up that the projector says that Carolina's at fifty four point one percent, or sorry, excuse me, Carolina's at forty five point nine percent, and Duke is at fifty four point one percent going into tomorrow's game on how they think's going to win. What's your prediction of the game?
1: Wow, I think it's. I think that's kind of skewed a little bit. Um, You know, I I would say, honestly, it's 50-50. I'm I'm going to disappoint you, Chad. I'm not going to give a prediction because, honestly, I really don't know. Um, Because if Carolina would have come out and beat Clemson the other night, I would have said, you know what, Carolina's trending upward. Yep. And uh, I think Carolina will probably win.
0: They got smacked the Um, other night.
1: But the fact they kind of stumbled, and then the (laughs) fact that Duke really struggled the way they did, I think it's um, I think it's really how does Duke respond to that adversity and has Shostakovsky got through to them? Um, they just didn't come to play the other night against Miami, and if they don't come to play tomorrow night, then uh, then there's no excuse for that. So, you know, I I really don't know. I, if you got if I got to give a prediction, then I'm going to stick with the home. I'm going to stick with the homer. I'm going to say Duke finds a way. Uh, Duke finds a way to win. Um, you know, just looking at X's and O's. Duke does not match with up match up with them inside whatsoever. Um, so that's where the advantage for Carolina is going to be. That's always been the case. It seems like in the last 10 to 15 years, yep. Carolina always seems to thrive on offensive rebounding, and that's where Duke usually struggles, getting keeping them off the glass. I would expect Duke to throw a zone in there at some point. They've, they've run zone the last few games.
0: It's pretty wild, in spots.
1: isn't it? Yeah, they, yeah they've, they've run it in spots. They're usually a man-to-man team. But since... Uh, Coach K's USA basketball experience with Bayheim, yep. he's been more willing to throw that Syracuse kind of 2-3 zone, mm-hmm. and I expect them to throw a little bit on there because Carolina can at times struggle from the outside, so I expect to see that a little bit, um, so if, if Carolina can't hit from the outside and we can hold our own on the glass, I think I think we had a chance but, um, but Carolina has been better from what I've seen more consistently this year, so you know it'll be interesting, but it's you know what I really was going in this week and like I, texted, you know, I said earlier on the show you know I kind of think that the, the, the luster is off this game but I was driving we're down on Virginia Beach like I share with you and we were driving down here yesterday and I was listening to sports radio and they were talking college basketball and they were talking the big game last night Ohio State and Iowa and they were talking how good the Big Ten is and then they went into Carolina Duke and I'm sitting there going man these are two teams that are not ranked and they're still talking about it yep you know, and they're talking about how this is actually maybe a more significant game than they played in the last several years. Because for either team, this is probably it. This game tomorrow night is probably it as far as their chances for the NCAA tournament go. Yeah. So, it still is interesting. I think that's ESPN a little bit, trying to trying to pump it up a little bit. But I was like, wow, these are two teams that are pretty mediocre this year. And they're still talking about how important this game is. So, um yeah, yeah, so that, I don't know. That was
0: a long answer to your question, but we'll see what happens. No, see, I'm looking up stats, and, and I don't really have a chance to look at a lot of stats. Like I told you before we got on the air, we start practice tomorrow. So it's, you know, I've been kind of going through more COVID paperwork than I want to admit and getting different checklists and stuff printed off that we need to work on for tomorrow morning for practice. But I kind of was able to pull up the stats while you and I were talking here. Carolina has three guys in double figures. Babcock's averaging 11.9, Brooks is averaging 10.5, and Love's averaging 10.3. Duke has Matthew Hurt, DJ Stewart, and Jalen Johnson averaging basically 19, 14, and 12. That's surprising because usually they have a lot more people in scoring on both sides of the ball. But if I have to give my prediction, even though I'm a Carolina guy, I think Matthew Hurt goes off tomorrow night and kind of solidifies himself as one of the main Duke guys moving forward. And you know he's shooting 42 percent from three. He's shooting a little over 54 percent from the floor. I think Matthew Hurt puts some numbers up tomorrow that are going to solidify him. You know, in that Duke talk of what the big six foot nine white guy can do in a Duke uniform. I, I, that's what that's my prediction for tomorrow night. He goes off. And well, I wins. hope you're
1: right. He does. He does present a matchup problem for that. He does. I think. I, I mean, because he can play inside and he can come outside and. And those Carolina guys are good. those Carolina interior guys are good. I don't know how they might be able to guard him on the printer. so I think that's going to be a, that could be a matchup issue for them. And Jalen Johnson is going to have to kind of go back to where Jalen Johnson was against Georgia Tech and Clemson.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know to be kind of the, the where a lot of stuff
1: went through him in those two games and, and to be the guy that where a lot of stuff kind of goes through goes through him and he gets to the basket. One big key thing for Duke, traditionally Duke teams, and you know this, they usually they usually make more free throws than their opponent attempts. Yes, and this year they have not been to the free throw line. They've, that's they've been on the flip side of that this year. They're going to have to get to the free throw line, and they're not going to. They can't turn the ball over, and they and they can't foul. Turnovers has been a big problem for this Duke team this year. A yeah. big big problem. If they're eight, nine turnovers into the first half, Chad, we're in trouble tomorrow night. We really are. Because yeah. the games where we turn it 17, 17 times, eighteen times where we turn it over, that create and that's what we did against Miami here at night. And they're stupid turnovers. They're they're careless. Um, you know, that's where we might have a problem. So those are just some keys, you know, keys looking into the game tomorrow night like from a Duke perspective that I think are, are gonna be important.
0: Well, you know, Carolina's turning the ball over 15 times a game. That that's, pretty, that's a wild stat. Usually you don't see Carolina turning the ball over that much. Let me see what Duke's turning the ball over, because that would be pretty interesting to see, you know, how many turnovers they're averaging a game. They're averaging 13.3. So, you know, both of those numbers are uncharacteristic of both of these teams. So you're right. Yeah. I think the turnover battle is going to determine who, at the end of the night, is winning, you know, over the other one. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty. That's gonna be key, uh, you know, for for them. So, um, you know, it'll be it'll be fun. It all you know, it always is fun. It always is nerve wracking, um, but uh, hopefully we're on the we're on the good
0: side tomorrow night. Well, you know, Greeley, I appreciate your time. I know you're you're down in Virginia Beach. Hopefully, Nolan runs really well. I'm wishing him luck here, and uh, you know, I look forward to texting you tomorrow during the game while while we both have it on and. <laughs> You know, I'd love to have you back on the show when the Carolina stuff flips to the other place and everything's kind of going down to the Dean Dome so we can kind of have more talks like this because I enjoy doing these with you. But uh, thanks for being on the show and I look forward to catching up with you soon.
1: It was great. Thanks a lot, Chad. Enjoyed it.
0: Thanks, Steve. See ya. I want to thank Greeley for being on today. Love having him on the show, giving his insight. You know, both when we talk Packers, they got a rival there, Packers, Bears, and we got this rivalry that we talked about today, Duke, Carolina. That is today's show. That is today's show. Tomorrow we'll have a split show. In the morning, we will do sports wrap and a lead-up to practice. And then after practice, I will give you guys a synopsis of how practice went, what we're looking forward to, that type of thing, to keep you inside the huddle there with South Basketball. Until then, have a safe Friday evening. Thank you for listening to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast, and we will talk to you soon.